Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. On this podcast over the years, I've featured a few great business owners from the fitness industry. And let's call it the health industry as well. And we all know how huge the health and fitness game is globally. So this week I'm joined by one of its biggest players. Yep, and he's an Australian. That's perfect. From South Australia. His name is Toby Pierce. And Toby Pierce's partner in business and in life is Kayla Itzinas. And they have created the most popular online female fitness program in the world with their business called Sweat. The app has been downloaded more than 30 million times topped the App Store charts in 142 countries, and the business is on track to surpass $100 million in revenue this year. So I want to find out how they did it. I want to go right through the whole journey. I want to know where they started, how they met, what their evolution was, and where they have stopped today, where they ended up. And a really important part of this is once they get through that evolution where they, from where they started, we're going to talk about the very simple but extraordinarily effective online ebook that went viral as well as what are their expansion plans and how does Toby want to keep dominating, along with Kayla, the female fitness space. So let's get into it. Toby Pierce, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having me, mate. You're, out, you're without your other half. Yes. And uh, so is Kayla, what's she doing? Is she doing a workout and putting up on Instagram or Facebook no, or something no, like she's, that? No, uh, she's just home from a uh, pretty, pretty arduous overseas trip. Um and uh, we're out eight, about eight weeks out now from having our first child, so she's oh, wow. probably she's probably just uh, sitting at home resting. I think right yeah, so now. She, she's very pregnant. Uh, yeah, a little less intense working out, that's for sure. Yeah, is that your first child? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Well, well done. I hope I hope everything goes well for both of you. Thanks, um, mate. Uh, now, I mean, first and foremost, the name Sweat. Mm. It's a great name. Thank um, you very much. How'd you come up with that name? Like, where that all come from? Uh well, I mean, so th- th- we actually came up with a name midway through our journey because we'd already been doing some stuff with Kayla's personal brand. And um, we this was around when we kind of made the choice that we'd pivot from just doing her stuff into like, how do we create a platform for fitness effectively? So, how, um, so could I just stop you there for a second? Because we've got yeah. a lot of people who are listening to this mm-hmm. and um, they're all thinking, you know, I want to become really famous, mm-hmm. like the sweat brand, and I want to be really famous. I'm a fitness instructor. I want to become like Kayla. I want to have how many, how many followers, like, we She's talking about probably globally? got about 30, 35 million, I think, at right. this point. So um, we're talking big time here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of people aspire to be like that. And, you know, that's unfortunate. That's the burden you now carry. Yeah. All the responsibility you carry. That's for sure. You have to uh, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
maybe we'll just go back a few steps. Let's go talk about the journey. Um, sure. Where, who first started doing this, when, at what age, and then what was the evolution of Into Sweat? How did sure. we evolve Into Sweat? So um, maybe I'll try, try and compress a five-year story until no, I'm no, like, yeah, um, give a, a, a minute I love these two. stories. Um, but yeah, so I guess really long story short, um, yeah, fresh out of high school into university. Um, did, you, did, you, did you know each other? No, not, not at this point. No. Right. So, so who was fresh out of high school? I was fresh out of high school, went into uni, was doing a, a double degree in law and commerce, um, and decided that, um, cause I was really into fitness, that personal training would be a good career to take up while studying. Yeah. So, um, so is, you're going to make your, um, personal training, your side hustle. Pretty much. And yeah. that was going to give you a bit of cash. Yep, and, and just the flexibility and freedom, right? And also, I mean, I mean, generally speaking, like it's it's better to make somewhere between forty and sixty bucks an hour as a PT than twenty bucks an hour doing something else. Working so, calls, whatever, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that that would be okay, and I, I kind of figured that I'd be able to, I don't know, somehow make that work. Didn't well, really were know. you an athlete before? Um. No, I just I mean, well, I mean, played sport. I wouldn't really go so far as to say athlete. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, I mean, I would have liked to have been an athlete, be, but I but, definitely would. We all would have been. But what? But uh, but uh, what I mean is, why did you decide that you could do PT personal training? Yeah. So I, I'd actually gotten into the gym after school because I hurt my back. Yep. Um. And so I had spent a, like I finished high school at about probably fifty five kilos. Um. And Wait. so yeah, I was wow. I was the kind of traditional never left my bedroom sort of. For lack of a more polite word, maybe a nerd. Yeah. Um, you know, played classical piano and spent a lot of time on my computer and that that was really a lot, most of my life. Um, but yeah, so I'd hurt my back basically playing football and uh, was sort of like, oh, well, I need to go lift weights. That's what the physio said. So went to the gym, lifted some weights. Turned out that that was pretty fun and that, um, yeah, I got some enjoyment out of that and met a few great people along the way. And then as I sort of started to lift weights and get more into that, this kind of, yeah, the... The merge happened between I need to go to university, I need to have a job to do that. Some of my my, my mates are doing personal training. Maybe I can make that work. Um, and then, Had you put a lot of bulking? Because you, I mean, you're quite a bulky guy now. Yeah, you're not yeah, 55 I'd, kilos. You're no, like, like 85 or 90 kilos. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd, I'd put a little bit of weight on. Um, but like 30 point. kilos. Yeah, yeah. I'd been training for probably a good couple of years, maybe three years or whatever I think at that point. Um, but yeah, basically like got into the PT in the gym. Um, I'd been sort of training clients for a while. Um really early on like sort of went from yeah not having any clients to being the busiest trainer in the gym then deciding well, what like, did you put that down to uh to, well, to be honest just being in the gym like so you know i would get to the gym at 5 6 in the morning and i would just s- make it a pest to yourself basically pretty much you yeah. know uh, but i that think works. it was it was kind of the notion that um you know to, to be seen is better than not to be seen right and so in a gym, like being seen as effectively your marketing, you know. So I think I, I would do my study and business work or whatever just in the open area of the gym where people would sit and wait for their trainers to arrive. Um, and so, yeah, being seen there all day, every day, I just became familiar with all the people and obviously it's the relationships, like a lot of business is all about relationships. Yep. Um, to start of that, then eventually pivoted kind of into doing that and boot camp franchises outdoors. So I had um I had like women's fitness boot camp classes. I would run outdoors. Uh, what do you mean? Is that to franchise you were running? Yeah, that I started. Yeah, you so, started it. Yep. So yep. I ended up having two of those that I was running in um in Adelaide. And you from Adelaide? Yep. Yep. And that's when I met Kayla, and she'd been um she'd been a personal trainer for I a just, lot longer. Can I just than stop I? you there for a sec? Because I mean, yeah. Toby, I just want to stop you there because it's really important. I know lots of people they come and see me um or they email me or whatever. Um, who are studying at university? Mm-hmm. You know, in your case, you're doing a commerce law degree. That's a mm-hmm. pretty tough degree, to be honest. It's not a lot a, of reading. It's yeah. not an easy one. There's a lot of time involved, and yeah. ultimately, you may get a job as a lawyer, um, or an accountant, or a banker, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Um, 
and you're going to get paid a wage for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and or you might be made a partner mm-hmm. after 15 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, these individuals are saying to themselves, well, I actually would like to work for myself one day, but I don't know what I'm going to work, do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what doors are going to open. So I better go to university and do this sort of normal degree, which mm-hmm. is what you did. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they make a decision to um, try something different. Like as I called it, I, I, you know, refer to it as a side hustle, but mm. you know, you started just doing a side hustle, a bit of PT, mm. and eventually you end up where you are today. You're not, not, not a lawyer any, you know, doing practicing law. Mm. Um, did you ever get nervous during this period that if I flip over to working at, flip over to the health industry and or fitness mm. industry, that I'm going to fuck up all this really good hard work and uh, stuff <laughs> that I'd been directed to do probably by your parents or somebody mm. in terms of studying to be a lawyer? Oh, look, I think, I think you'd be, uh, I don't, I don't think that you'd be a well-considered individual if you hadn't had the conversation with yourself about that. Um, to be honest, like my, my problem was almost entirely the opposite. Um, you know, so like when I very first started personal training, I had left my other job and I was selling pianos and sheet music. And, um, my boss at the time kind of made a joke about personal training. It was like, there's no like money in the fitness industry. Like you can't have a career in the fitness industry. And I was like, that's cool. Like, cool man. Like, thanks. See, I'm going to do stuff. Um, so, but my, my issue really early on was that so when, I, when I started personal training, like typically speaking, if you can do 15 or 20 sessions a week as a trainer, like you're probably doing pretty good. Um, there's yeah. 800 bucks a week. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so within sort of, I don't know, probably six to eight weeks, I was doing 60 or 70 sessions a week. Um, so my argument was actually less about like, oh, I don't want to get distracted doing health and fitness. I was like, am I actually distracted doing war on commerce? Like, could I actually have, you know, made like a good business out of this? And so that that argument became progressively harder as, you know, went from just the one-on-one PT into the group classes because that's a four or five exercise in my business over a six-month period. Um, and then having a met Kayla later on and we sort of started to venture into the online world, we then went many, many multiples of that. So I was still actually at university when we were running an online business, making multiple seven figures purely because I was like, oh, I need something to fall back on in case this doesn't work. But eventually I actually ended up deferring and more and more, well, deferring uh, university and then I, yeah, Permanent never went back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, because it's quite interesting. So, I, I mean, no, and I think people got to need to understand the the mathematics of this. So you're, you went, okay, I'm at university. I could go, I got to work. So I could go and work somewhere for twenty two bucks an hour or twenty five dollars mm-hmm. an hour, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of students do. Mm-hmm. Or mathematically, I I could get forty bucks an hour, but I've got to do, go do a course and yeah. take a bit of risk around yep. that. But if I but if I put in the hours, mm-hmm. sitting in the gym waiting for everybody to come in and basically just being a pest, yep. um, I might I might do better than twenty five dollars an hour. So I might get mm-hmm. instead of getting forty hours at twenty five bucks an hour, I might get. 10 hours at $40 an hour. Whatever, yeah. yeah that's mathematics. Yeah. And then you went from that yeah. into saying I could do group classes where I'll get 10 people at 10 bucks an hour, which is 100 bucks an hour. Yep. And uh, then you went from that to doing millions of people. Yep. So you basically worked on this mathematically, really. I mean, well, there's the mathematics that, of this. Yeah, that was always the real basic principles, right? I mean, like what are the what, what are the unit economics of the business? Like effectively, like and, and obviously that's a direct – yeah, human to human service that we're providing at that point. But I think like, yeah, it was really like, you know, I can either like charge more per hour. That's probably not really the best choice because then you know, I'm, I'm shrinking the size of my total addressable market because not everyone has that much free flowing cash. 
Um, you know, or I can actually decrease the price and I can have group session trainings, which would mean I'd be massively scaling my ability to service more people, but also scaling my income per hour, right? Um, which inevitably got to a point where I could hire some other trainers who would work for me and I didn't need to attend all of the classes. So, Which means, and the ultimate scale is, you know, 10 bucks a month, yeah. but for a couple million people. So, yeah. I mean, and when people talk about growth in a business, um, growth is about, achieving scale, but it's also about the formula for scale. Yep. You've got to have a mathematical formula to achieve scale. Yep. And if if the growth in your business is around you, the individual, mm-hmm. then it's going to be very hard if it requires physical exertion. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily very scalable. And we, especially in the fitness industry, like we see this a lot. You see personal trainers who are elite personal trainers and they do like, they, they absolutely kill it at their job. But then as soon as they actually eventually step out to do their own gym or their own studio, what they realize is, well, like, I'm actually a really good personal trainer, but I'm actually not a good gym business person or a good studio owner. Like, cause they're two different things, right? Like, you know, being really elite at running workouts and, you know, training clients and motivating to get results is very different to being a business person, managing staff, managing an organization, scaling franchises, for example. Like they're, they're two very, very different roles. It doesn't go to say that like someone who's a very good personal trainer can't do that. I've got plenty of friends who have gone off and done that and been very successful. Um, but it, it, they are two completely different things. So... That's and that's interesting. So you've gone from being being a personal trainer, mm-hmm. whether it's to one person, one on ones, or whether it's to a group of ten people, mm. to being in the business of personal training. Yep, it's just slightly different, but extraordinarily, um, extra slightly different in terms of the the product, but extraordinarily different in terms of how you how you do it and the skills yeah. required to do it. Yeah. So you are now distributing. Personal trainer, or content per, distribution, as opposed yep. to yeah, like the providing physically extra doing it yourself. And and by yeah. the way, there's a lot more um, quantitatively. There's a lot more capacity in the in the latter. In other words, the second one mm. has the ability to be scaled, and 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 obviously scaling requires technology. So mm. either that, or you just need a million people out, out there in the world <laughs> who are distributing your product for yeah. you. But that's harder. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the technology. Yeah. How how did you use technology? I mean, clearly we're talking about we're talking about technology to um, build your brand, build yep. your the affection around your brand, the notoriety mm-hmm. around your brand. But clearly, you've got technology that actually builds your product to yeah, two tech two two te- uses of technology. Yeah. So I think there's the there's there's definitely for sure like the you know the actual like digital marketing side like you know, so whether that be like using like these social media platforms software to create content, software to deploy and distribute content, like whatever it is. Um, and there's also, so that's like a one part of it. And then outside the actual like marketing aspect of the organization, then there's also, well, yeah, like how are we building websites and how do we build our app? Fulfillment. Like, yeah, how do you f- deliver the product or end or service? Yeah. Uh, how do we how do I fulfill the promise that I'm right. making in my Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you I'm going to make you skinny or give mm-hmm. you a good but if, if whatever, whatever people want, you know, muscles or whatever they're after, mm. that's the promise. And you do it through social. Yeah. And then the next thing is how do I fulfill? And uh, the fulfillment obviously is through technology. I, I'm going to ask you to pause right there. I just now want to backtrack because, you know, that's a really good business um, examination of what you are doing, like yeah. a very sensible, structured process, which you come across to me as. Mm-hmm. Um but there's something very fantastic about your business um, that has sort of made it extraordinarily appealing and attractive mm. to millions and millions of people around the world. And I guess that's where your wife comes in, Kayla, mm-hmm. your partner, business partner. Yep. 
tell me about that story. How did you and Kaylee get together? Why, how did, and what was the evolution of the sweat brand from where you and Kayla started? Yeah. So, I mean, shortly after the, the boot camps had kind of kicked off for me, Kayla and I, um, it's kind of common that personal trainers will go to other gyms to train, like personally train themselves. Um, because if you work out in the gym that you work out and you very often kind of get bombarded. So it was just really convenient that one day she had gone to a particular gym to train and I had left my gym of work to go and do a different gym to train. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just happened to meet at that point. Um, so I mean, yeah. Did you know of her or? No, not like, cause at this <laughs> point, like she had no social media presence at all. Um, I didn't have any, we'd never ever met. We didn't really have anyone in our network that were really, you know, like friends or, or connected or whatever. So and she was a personal trainer. Yep. So she'd actually been personal training for longer than I had. She, she should just sort of did it straight out of school as I had a couple of years between when I finished school and starting. Um, and yeah, I mean, like again, you know, long story short, after a while, we sort of started catching up and started dating. Um, and when can I, we, but can I ask you, the, um, Toby, what was her background? Was she an athlete, or was she like similar, yeah, so, similar story to you? Wanted to beef up, or what? Nah, so she was she was elite at basketball, um, right. and I'm not elite at basketball. So there's uh, there's uh, every now and again when we do we we have a have a quick bounce. Um, she smashes you. She yeah. Yeah, um, but get an hour uh, while she's pregnant. She won't be able to move. Yeah, that's as well. right. <laughs> she's got a basketball lens in her tummy. That's, knows that's right. <laughs> but um, so yeah, we 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 met sort of started dating, and I think shortly after when we sort of moved in together. Um, I mean, really like through natural progression, like she'd sort of started to help run some of the sessions at the boot camps. Um, I'd sort of started to help her manage what she was doing more from the business perspective. You know, so she had a studio effectively at her house that she had clients and she was coming and training them at. Um, I was more about like, yeah, how do we systemize and process that and actually scale that as a business? Um, and she was really always tremendous at the, the actually content creation and the workouts and, you know, like managing, managing clients. Um, so I think that was, you know, kind of a, you know, a recipe made in heaven in, in some regards. Um, Did she have Instagram? This, so just after we sort of started dating, like that's really when that sort of began. So Instagram and what was of, it? What was her Instagram? What was her Instagram handle? What was it? Just just her name. So Kayla had seen us. Um, and so she was using that. And then I had also simultaneously created the business page um, for the boot camps. And we we're basically, basically using them in parallel to generate leads, both for her studio, but also for my boot camp business. Um, it just turned out that we were okay at Instagram and Facebook and that people really enjoyed our content. And so sort of after a few months, like we'd, you know, built up um, tens of thousands of followers. Um, well, yeah, but that, that's, you wouldn't say, okay, you're being modest, but what what do you put down to the popularity of, if mm. that's the, it's not a bad word, I guess, popularity of mm. the Instagram? Yeah, I think, look, our, our approach to content was and still is very different to a lot of what is seen in the fitness industry. Um, we try to avoid the, you know, the, the vanity and the aesthetic and try to focus on like, well, we're really just trying to improve people's lives, like, here's a few things and tips and educational, like, you know, I guess philosophies that you can use in order to actually achieve that as opposed to like, yeah, get your six pack abs instead of 10 days. Cause that's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, so we, we took a very different approach. Give I think. an example. Um, well, you know, so for example, like a lot of our branding, we, we would be less likely to, yeah, advertise something like join this program to get abs in 30 days. Our messaging will be much more like, well, you know, hey, like here's a series of like um, educational articles that relate to how you can actually improve your health. You know, so we went really down the value adding path because inevitably like 
although people might aspire to actually look a certain way, what they really want to do is understand how to actually improve their health. Um, this is like the, the image and the aesthetic is very often just what they, that they're able to measure that through. Um, but generally speaking, like that's not actually what keeps people motivated in the long run, you know, like getting fitter or stronger or being able to keep up with your kids or being able to run the marathon or look good for your wedding or whatever. They're actually very different, very different motivations. But in the fitness industry, typically it's easier to try to, you know, in some ways, like other organizations want to prey on people's insecurities. We just didn't really take that route. Um, and so I guess, that, yeah, that, that massively resonated with our audience. But I think that kind of partnered with the fact that what we were actually doing, like from a workout perspective, like people actually really loved it. So it wasn't, you know, like the way that we train, like the high intensity, the plyometric aspect and whatever they loved. And then ultimately, so we're able to give them the education, we're able to give them the content. But ultimately, those two things paired together actually got probably better results than almost anybody else was getting at the time. So we, we sort of had this really, really, you know, trio of activity happening. And so a lot of our fans and followers are sort of like, well, I trust you because you know what you're talking about. Like, I'm appreciative because I can use the content that you're providing me to actually impact my life. And then like, well, it actually bloody works. You know, so I'm going to keep doing it and I enjoy doing it and it's fun. Um, and so inevitably what kind of happened there, like, although that was really great for our studio business and it was really great for the boot camps, what sort of happened was, well, all the questions started to come in like you know how do i do that if i'm in america mm. or like if i'm in russia you know or whatever which to us at the time was like it was obscene because you know again you got to go back in time so that this is sort of you know five six years ago like the notion that someone in a adelaide could be kind of providing a product to someone in russia was like really weird you know, like, so now like, that's pretty common, whether it be through drop shipping or social or online or whatever, like that's kind of like people expect that. Um, but at that point in time, it really wasn't, you know, so when we started to get all these questions coming in, there was this moment where we we're sort of like, oh, well, if we were to provide a product, like, what would that be? And how would we do that? And, you know, whatever. And so this was really kind of the birth of like, you know, the actual online brand that is, you know, that is Kayla, where we sort of said, well, like, let's look all of this educational stuff we have, let's package that, let's package the workouts and let's package some other stuff. You know, so we kind of had, we ended up with one ebook that was to do with workouts and one. I want to come back to it because I, because I, I I just want to package it up as well, just right now. So (laughs) we've actually, because we're going to go to the break, but after the break, I want to talk about this process, particularly the ebook, because it's a brilliant piece of marketing. Um, But where we are right now in this journey is that we have you, Toby, um, who um, decided that um, you're going to have a little bit of a side hustle. So you got some cash on the side to pay yeah. for university degree. Um, someone who's 55 kilos, who's now a whopping 85 or 90 kilos, probably at least. And then you got Kayla who understand, understand does come from an athletic environment, yeah. um, who also is in the same game. Mm-hmm. Then you two join together. You do a little bit of Instagram, a bit of socialing, mm-hmm. so, social marketing, and then just to support both your businesses, your current businesses at the time, and all of a sudden you start getting hit up from people from Russia and uh, some other place in the world, mm-hmm. um, and then you sit down, you work out, hang on, how can we scale this to those individuals? Yeah. And there's a process of doing those sorts of things. So I want to go to the break, and that's what we're going to talk about because that's what everybody thinks that they're going to do with their product and or the service, whether it's in fitness or it's in mm-hmm. technology or whatever it is. And not many people ever achieve it. It's, yeah. it's pretty rare. But there is, it's not formulaic, but there is formulas. There are things that are necessary. Not always do we have these, do we know what the, the sufficient parts of these 
outcomes are, but there are necessary parts to these outcomes. There are other bits on the side, which is something to do with timing and various other things, but I want to go through what you think are the really important necessary steps to, at a minimum, you must do to get there, apart from hard work. So we're going to go to the break and we'll come back. Hi guys, every week I ask Matt to come in. He's our CEO at Mentor.Business where we actually sell businesses for our clients. Um, in other words, like a business broker, but we put them on the market and we help them through the sale process and equally we help buyers buy business too. So look, if you're looking to sell a business, let us know and we can love, love to help you. But Matt highlights every week one of the businesses that we have for sale and this week's business, Matt, is? It's an education business based in Southwest Sydney. It's a great one. A very passionate vendor. I had a great chat with her just before the, the podcast and uh, just, just hearing the passion in the vendor's voice. And she's been in the thing over 20 years. So, so she set it up? Uh, it's under a brand, but she's yep. essentially, she's grown it. And last year she moved the facilities into bigger, brand new facilities. It's, uh, it's, it's a really a winner. So it's like a franchise, is it? Like, so it's a, a, an education system franchise, which the vendor now owns and she, because that's important. A lot of people like to buy into franchises because, you know, you get the protection of the whole group. Absolutely. Is that what we're talking about? And it's a global group too. So it's a great brand. It's, it's established. They, they pride themselves on continued learning themselves. So that make sure that the owner of the business is, is really up to scratch on, on the latest, uh, tutoring techniques. And where is it again? Southwest Sydney. So, which is, what's Southwest Sydney? Uh, it's around the Liverpool area around there right. somewhere. Okay. And what sort of students are they talking to? Like, so in other words, are they talking to year 12 students who just about to go to university and trying to get late level, you know, the, the, the highest level of maths or where are we at, where are we at? Yeah, look, they can certainly help in that area, but their focus, their key focus, this, this particular, the owner is so passionate about, there's a, about the, she's an ex-educator herself, actually. Um, she feels that there's a missing link in the education system. So she likes to prepare kids for the, uh, for primary school. So she'll do preschool and primary. So she'll all the way up into, um, that, you know, year seven mark. So she really wants to get them ready. So they're, uh. They're ready to go 100%. Well, listeners, uh, education to me is a rising tide. Um, it's one of those very competitive areas, particularly in the southwest of Sydney, because some of the parents who sort of come to this country are extraordinarily keen to make sure that their kids are well-equipped and ultimately get into university. And by the way, uh, they start early. They start around kindergarten period. So great business. I love education businesses. Um, for me... The franchises is probably a good way to go if you're a starter. I just quick one quick question. You don't have to be an educator to buy one of these, Matt. Like, you, who's a buyer? Oh, look, the buyer as long as they've got a tertiary education and they're willing to continue their education with the the franchisor, they do not absolutely do not need to be an educator themselves. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to where this ends up. Um, go to mentor.business if you want to buy this business, or you got a business for sale, or you want to buy something else, and come and talk to Matt. Just one last thing. It's uh, $250,000 we're looking for about this business and $150,000 return to the owner. Only 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week, 150 grand return for a $250,000 outlay. I like the sound of that. That's good odds. See you, Matt. Thank you. Okay, I'm back with Toby Pierce and his partner, Kayla Itzinas, who's not here, um, who both own the Sweat brand. Um, she's going to have a baby soon, so I can understand why she's not here. Um, I'm, we've gone through the process of sort of how they met and, uh, you know, what their mutuality was in terms of their various interests and sort of how they got to the point where they're about to launch this sweat brand. Um, and what I want to know is 
from you, Toby, now is once you've gone through this little evolution, you got to this point, did you and Kayla sit down and say, and who was it who instigated this? Uh, okay, let's just change this world. Let's let's do something from Adelaide that's totally different from what everyone else in the world is going to do, and uh, we're going to actually export our product to Russia, wherever wherever you're getting the request from. Mm. Who who instigated? Like, what what would you like? Wake up middle of the night, two a.m. one morning, were you sitting around <laughs> one Sunday morning having a coffee after the gym? How did it happen? Yeah, so we were literally just kind of sitting in bed one night, like literally reading through the the comments and the social pages. Um, I, I, I don't want to say it was my idea. Come for on, the sake now. Of it come being on, my now. idea, but it, come look, on, big man. It, go on, it, come it on. It kind of was my kinda, idea. Okay. Um, well, but, she'll have a right to reply at some yeah, stage, Carl. Yeah. So yeah. Now look, she, she'd probably tell the story the same way. Like I think, to be honest, I I was like, oh, like, what are these sort of ebook things that people are doing? And you know, I've seen some of them, not not heaps, but some of them. Um, and her response, which I very regularly remind her, was that is a stupid idea, and no one is ever going to like that. Um, but inevitably, um, yeah, we kind of discussed it and I was able to say like, well, look, I think again, like, you know, from an investment perspective, like even if it costs us $50,000 to put this together, which it ended up around about that mark, even if it costs us that much to set this up, we really only have to be able to sell like a couple of copies of this over a year and we'll make many multiples of that back. You know, so I think, um, explain then what you mean, what you mean by an ebook. So, you know, like to yeah. you, it's you're familiar, but a lot, a lot of people listening probably say, well, what's he talking about? I know, well, they yeah. know what an ebook is, but yep. what did you mean in terms of what you hope to achieve from it? What was going to yeah. be in it? So, I mean, we, we set out, there was kind of two different books that we wanted to create, one to do with food effectively and one to do with working out. Um, the, the workout one was effectively like, how do we, let's introduce like what exercise is and like why it's important for weight loss and for getting fit. Um, so there's a whole bunch of like educational information about that as well as 12 weeks of workouts, you know, exercise glossary and a whole bunch of different tips and, and facts that people could use to effectively get better results from what they're doing. Um, the food one was kind of similar, but it was obviously a meal plan. Um, and then again, similar, like, you know, what's the, what implications does your diet have on weight loss or health effectively? And how can you do that efficiently? Um, so each of them were a couple hundred pages each, I think, when we first sort of rolled them out. Um, when you say you first rolled them out, yeah. who wrote it? Uh, so Carla and I wrote it together. <laughs> um, uh, the nutritional stuff, um, I think, for the purpose of like making sure we could provide the best service, we, we actually worked with some of the third parties yep. basically to make sure that it was all kind of you know, legit. Not because we didn't know, but more that we didn't have the degrees and qualifications. So we were able to write the content and effectively get it validated by, by a third-party dietetics organization. Um, when you say an ebook too, but is an ebook, um, do you read or was it an audio as well? Uh, just read. Yeah, just read. Audio. Yeah. So, um, basically all text and imagery effectively, um, that, that took us a couple of months to put together. Um, we built, you know, some website, which at the time we thought was amazing, but it was horrendous. And when we look at it at retrospect, but, um, yeah, and that, so that took us a couple of months. And I think sort of very, very early, like literally the first week of 2014, we're like, okay, well, you know, let's go live. So we, you know, hit the big red button. Um, and you know, we, we launched that and had like a, a pretty decent amount of success, like to be honest in the first sort of like couple of days, but then inevitably what happens is, you know, as quickly as the graph goes up, it kind of comes back down. But interestingly, the point that it came back down to was not low enough that it was, you know, like, oh, there's no opportunity here. It was low, but it was still like, there's definitely still something happening here. Um, and so at this point kind of with no knowledge or experience about the internet or, digital marketing or whatever it was sort of just like oh well you know if we if we wanted to sell more of these into different countries and whatever like what would we need to do you know so just well how did you launch it uh well we but who, who'd you use to launch it? i mean did, when i say who'd you used what i mean by that is 
How did you market it? I mean, how did yeah, you... so this was literally just on Instagram at this point. So we'd um, probably about 100, 150,000 fans, I think, at that point on Kayla's account. It's still um, a lot, even. Yeah, then. at that point in time, especially on Instagram as well, because it was a very, very young platform. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we launched that. Um, definitely did not sell 150,000 copies, um, but it was. Uh, how much was it? Uh, so the, yeah, for the, I think it was. Three or four hundred pages of the workout book was seventy dollars, and then the nutrition was similar at the same price, or you could get them both for a small discount bundling, basically. Um, which um, yeah, at the point in time, like like even like now, reflectively, like still was like relatively expensive for uh, an ebook. But if you kind of compare that to comparative service of a personal trainer, like that's one workout, one one session, you know, yeah. Versus like here's something that you could do repeatedly, effectively, forever. And there's um, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe close to. I know, 40, 50 workouts, full explanation of that, the exercises, photos, step-by-step instructions, you know, that sort of stuff. So at this point in time, like not a lot of that sort of content really existed, like especially in the fitness industry. Um, and yeah, and so the same way that our workout videos on social media took to the market very well, like this kind of spread like wildfire, you know, so we, um, you know, most of our, you know, kind of like interaction and growth early on was effectively from referrals. Um, at some point in time, you know, we, we discovered that you could run, you know, ads on social media and on Google and whatever, and that kind of helped to, to grow the business. But maybe to put this into perspective and in scale, so we launched it sort of, yeah, the beginning of 2014. Within a year after that, we were sort of on a run rate to about 10 million a year in revenue. Um, so we'd kind of gone from not having a business at all. I mean, like we were doing personal training, but like not having this particular business at all to, yeah, having a, a very decent business kind of a year later. So I mean, um, in revenue in terms of, um, was it from ebook sales or was it from people signing up to the website? So that's just ebook sales. Just yeah. E-book sales. Um, and well, that's so, a pretty good, that's a pretty good I think it's business. pretty good ROI. Um, in, in 2014. But, yeah. But, uh, and so at this point, yeah, at, at this point, like, you know, I was like 20, 21 years old. Kayla was, you know, a similar age. Um, and so for us, like, whilst this was like very exciting, it was kind of, um, you know, overwhelmingly real and raw in the sense that like, oh, well, like one, you know, one, like we're definitely onto something like this could actually be a really good thing. Um, but then like from my perspective and kind of, you know, I'm always relating back to like, how do we do it better and how do we do it bigger? I was sort of also, to be honest, like a little like, how do we do this for literally every woman in the world? Like, you know, knowing that, not every woman in the world wants to train with Kayla, like because they just might not want to. They might not want to do burpees, right? You know, they might want to do yoga or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's like how do we provide that while still being like really authentic and being subject matter experts and whatever, right? Um, and then shortly after having done the ebook, although the ebook was really good, I was sort of like, oh, like you know, like the majority of our audience are really like they're mobile, right? And an ebook, whilst you can use it on your phone and whatever, is not really like the best experience, you know. So how do we do that? And then oh, one hundred twenty dollars is although it's cheap comparative to personal training in the grand scheme of like free cash in our particular market, 120 bucks is still like a decent amount of money. So these conversations and thoughts, you know, like well, really provoked a lot of discussion around like, how do we do that? So this was really the inception of the idea that is now sweat, you know, so if we, if not every woman in the world wants to train with Kayla, like what do they want to do and how do we facilitate that? So, you know, bring on more trainers effectively, have more content. Um, you know, if they don't want to just do an ebook, if they want a better mobile experience, like, well, surely it's got to be an app. So let's do an app. So, okay. So <laughs> just, just before we close off on the ebook, cause I want to go there, I want to then go to the business model, but yeah, just on the ebook, how many copies did you sell or have you sold? 
Um, well, to be honest, I actually don't know. Like, we, we didn't really track it. The issue Round that, yeah, so there'd be hundreds of thousands. Um, but like the issue that we kind of reached, which was one of the stimuluses for migrating into an app, that although the product was so popular that it was also distributed. Um, so we had a lot of people like who would buy the product and love it so much that they would give it to their friends and oh, show yeah. it to their friends, which whilst being a very like effective marketing strategy. It's shit. Um, <laughs> it's, well, it's, 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 it's a shit it's, outcome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the it's best not for business. Um, but I think <clears> also as well, like regardless of the actual like business implication, like our view was, you know, that we're not really actually providing the best service to the people who are receiving it secondhand. Because if they're receiving it secondhand, they're not getting... Yeah, we would continually send all of our yeah, members more information and more tips for free and more educational stuff to help them get better results and perpetuate their journey, which is the best experience in our opinion, because that's what you get if you're with a personal trainer every week, you see them, they give you more, well, they should give you more information. Um, so if you've just got some product, like our opinion was that if you've just acquired that and you're not getting anything else, you're actually getting a lesser experience and that's not a good reflection of our brand. Um so that that was part of the stimulus for yeah, like those bigger picture conversations. So what is the business model then? So we're we're now landing exactly yep. where Sweat is today. Yeah, explain to us what the model is. So effectively, we're a subscription business. Um, so uh, you know the same way that Spotify has music that you can subscribe to listen to, or Netflix has movies and TV shows you can subscribe to listen to. Um, Sweat is a platform that you can subscribe to get pretty much anything that you would expect to get from a personal trainer or in a gym experience. So, so it's, an, it's a, but it's a marketplace. Yeah. So you've built Sweat as a marketplace yep. for personal trainers. Um, well, I think marketplace is probably a strong word. Like, right so on. we we don't have a free for all. Like, we don't let any trainers come to us. Like, we hand pick trainers that we work with and we create and curate content with them. Um, so I think, you know, we, we, we are a content platform. We curate the content and produce the content in house. So we really have, you know, to be honest, like we kind of have a few different businesses. Like we have a software business that builds the platform. You know, we have a content and media house organization that effectively produces the content. Um, and those two businesses really work in, in sync with one another to actually facilitate the experience for the user. So the consumer of, of your content, um, yeah. They pay a subscription. What, what are we yep. talking about a month? So $20 a month. 20 bucks a month. Um, unlimited access to any workout or any, any training, any program, any So give me an example want. experience. So like, let's say I go in there and um, I'm a, you know, whatever. How Have you got a sort of a... Um, uh, Age range? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we really our goal and all, like one of our mantras internally is, is like, you know, um, any woman, anywhere, anytime. Like, right. So that's the approach we take. Right. So effectively, <clears throat> you could sign up and you could say like, oh, I want to do yoga, so I'm going to do that program. Or like, I want to do weightlifting, I'm going to do that program. Or, you know, I don't have a gym membership, but I still want to do like more intense workouts, so I'm going to do that type of high-intensity training, so whatever it might be. And you, how do you how do you source your um your your experts or your trainers? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how does that work? Yeah, so we've a, I mean, we've a few like core values and like principles that effectively that we use, and I mean, it's just general market research. We will approach and network with an abundance of different trainers online that have, you know, probably strong brands, like strong subject matter expertise, like you know, um, I think that you know, like high quality like knowledge and experience as well. So we, you know, to to, to put some flavour to that, like obviously, you know, outside of Kayla, like one of the trainers we bought on last year, like Chantel, like she actually owns a few of her own like boot camp or like you know, um training studio franchises her and her husband have been in personal training for probably collectively more than 10 years um another trainer we bought on steph can 
you know, deadlift 160 kilos. Like she's an incredibly strong, like power lifter. Um, so we really only work with the best of the best. Like we don't, yeah. You know, so you source them or do you, or do they sort of tap you on the shoulder and say, look, um, Toby, can we get involved? So initially it was us doing the shoulder tapping. Yeah. Um, but I think after kind of having a pretty decent amount of success over the last few years now, it's, it's kind of a bit of both to be honest. So we do a little bit of shoulder tapping and we get our shoulders tapped a little bit. Right. So, I mean, I guess then is it sort of like, um, you know, Uber style or so where, where trainers get rated? Um, well, so we, we provide different information about the programs, but each of our trainers effectively has their own, you know, a building their own business in many regards. Yeah. You know, so like Kelsey, who was someone that we partnered with um, about 18 months ago, like she's, you know, got a couple of her own programs. She has, you know, many members who are coming to the platform to do her workouts and, um, and stuff. But the great thing about what our platform allows is that it's not, you know, if you go to a gym and you pay one person trainer, you can only train with that personal trainer and only get their style of training and only get their information. Um, for $20 a month, you can do as many workouts as you like across any program, across any trainer, across any style. We'll provide you meal plans and nutrition advice. You have access to all of our members to connect with one another in our forum, yeah, in our app as well. So there's an abundance of different services. So you build a community inside as well. Yeah. So we modeled it off, well, what's a gym? like? So we would refer to ourselves in many ways as a digital gym. You know, so if you go to a gym and work with a personal trainer, you get the workouts and you get the tips, right? But if you have a good personal trainer, ideally they'll also give you nutritional advice or a meal plan. Now, if you go to a gym when you're not training with your trainer, you probably have friends or family or whatever that go there. So there's the community aspect of the gym. You know, so you get this really, you know, you get network, you get support, you get education, you get the food, you get the workouts. We effectively package that all up into one platform. Yeah, so you've you've digitized the gym experience. Correct. At a cheaper price. Yep. Um, made it accessible. And you're, and what you do is, what you guys are really good at is um, building the awareness. So, yeah. you know, like let's say we've got some personal trainer who you've signed up as part of your mm -hmm. platform. Um, they probably would struggle to get the reach that you've got. Well, we've generated an ecosystem that facilitates growth for them. Um, and yeah, and we've, we've, we've done that multiple times now. So not, not just with Kayla, but you know, with Kelsey and now with our new trainers, we're already, you know, well, well and truly on that journey. I think, um, you give them scale. Yeah. pretty. And much. then the sky's the limit. They can have mm. 20 million people yep. following them. Uh, uh, training in their sessions. Correct. And uh, and then I guess the model, the financial model is that uh, who pays, like who pays you? So the, obviously the consumers mm. pay yeah. into, this, into the platform. Yep. Some of that's got to go to the personal trainer. Yeah, so we, we yeah, probably the simplest way of explaining our relationship is, is kind of like a modern day book publishing deal. Um, so you know, if you're an author, you get approached by a publishing organization and they say, we'll, we'll fund the creation of your you know, product. Um, we'll assist you with distribution and we'll co-market the product. Um, and then for every copy we sell, we'll give you a, you know, we'll give you sort of cents on the dollar for yeah, it. You, so you, you, the, 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 um, the consumer subscribes to you, your, yep. your, to, to sweat and yep. sweat then pays the, yeah. a percentage of that, which you don't need to disclose to me, but yep. pays a percentage of that to the, the personal trainer whose business you're building. Yep helping them build, yep. um, but it's symbiotic. I mean, yeah. It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, well, I think that's the best way, right? Because, you know, if, if, if they are winning and their business is growing and if the consumer is winning and they're enjoying the experience and they're getting good results, then we are inevitably also winning. Let's say you've got um, someone who's, you know, not, their business not going all that great. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you do? Like, do you, move them on or do you just no, I mean, help I think, them out? I, I think it really, I mean, it depends like to how you define doing well, right? You know, like is it, is defining doing well like that customers love it or you define doing well that 
we generate revenue from it or you know do we find a way more that it generates a lot of revenue like you know what's the what's the grading stick um you know i think from our perspective and you know i think probably yeah m- most organizations that uh, have a, a really particular commercial sense would probably say if you're losing money it's probably not really a good decision um but i think like for us we yeah we, we would typically say like impact and value or the way that we would describe that so you know, are we having a really great impact on the members that use our platform and do they love what we're doing? You know, first and foremost, above all other things. And then secondarily, like, are we actually able to generate a commercial return from that in some ways? Because um, we can't continue to provide the great service if we don't generate a commercial return. So, so just, just explain this to me because I'm not 100% sure about this part of it. Do you prescribe, does every consumer pay the same amount no matter which trainer they use? Yeah, so the member on our platform effectively is paying for access to the platform. Right. Um, the way that uh, like effectively the attribution model functions that any given member on a platform at any given moment in time is effectively using one program. So like, for example, I might be doing, you know, Chantel's, you know, Fierce program. Um even though I'm doing that program, I can still bounce out of that and do workouts from other programs and try different stuff and do whatever. But inevitably, like I'm still actually doing, I'm doing in some part of some program. Um, depending on which program I'm effectively consuming at that given point in time, that that's the attribution model. So a user can only ever be on one program at a time. They can consume whatever the content they want, but they can only be on one path of one journey. Yeah, so your system yeah. somehow works out though... Um, mm-hmm. You've got some sort of algorithm works out uh, yeah. who's using Chantel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess you, I mean, particularly for consumers like on, like they do on Netflix, just flicking yeah. around all the time. They watch yep. half a movie, 10, 10% of this one, 2%, which I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you look at them and you see, you know, the last watched, it sort of says, um, but your your algorithm will say, well, yeah, but most of the time that Mark spent on your platform, the sweat platform, mm-hmm. he was with Chantel. So we're going to pay Chantel for that. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Because so. Who's doing all the IT? This sounds like a massive um, IT system to me, big software. So, yeah, we've got about 25 to 30 sort of full-time engineers spread across mobile, um, yeah, like m- mobile software development, um, your front-end consumer development, and then back-end systems and infrastructure. Um, th- to be honest, this was probably the hardest, like probably is uh, or was and is still kind of like the hardest area of the organization to Local, were you to doing it yeah, all local in our office in Adelaide. Adelaide, you're talking about Adelaide, yeah? Yeah, um, mostly because for me, like I'm not a software engineer or computer scientist, mm-hmm. so like the learning curve was 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 basically vertical. Um, but um, I think like over, over, you know, over the period of the last couple of years, we've definitely got better at that and improved the way that we do that. But I think, um, yeah, yeah, for us, like that's really the key to, I mean, yeah, that, that's the key to growth for us, right? Like the better that the product is and the more that it, more accurately it satisfies the you know, consumer's needs, desires, you know, thoughts and whatever, um, the more likely they are to feel like they receive value from it and therefore actually... Because user experience is critical to you then. I mean, because... 100%. We're, we're, so, I mean, I guess, I mean, for, for again, for people, because everyone thinks, oh, wow, this sounds easy to just get on Instagram and mm-hmm. do all this cool stuff. <laughs> it's not that easy. And because um, it's all about the, the execution, the delivery at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, you can look nice and shiny. Mm-hmm. But if you can't complete and if you can't fulfill, yeah, the whole thing is stuffed. Execution is critical, I think. Yeah. Execution and understanding, right? Like you can't, you know, you can't execute on the right things without having like an intimate understanding of what's happening. Um, you know, and if you can't execute, then it doesn't really matter how much you know. So the two really kind of go like hand in hand. And yeah, I think totally. that um, for us, like you know, something that we probably didn't really consider enough early on was that when we were selling the eBooks, like that 
unit economic model is a lot simpler than that of a subscription organization. Um, you know, subscription business is uh, in, in many ways kind of a lot more complex than it appears on the outside. Yeah. On the outside, it's just like, oh, you have a fee, you subscribe, cool, that's great, and they pay forever. And the reality is that that's not actually the way that the business works. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think like understanding that and, um, and again, kind of coming back to understanding like who the members are and what they want and how we can... Yeah, how do we iterate our product to best facilitate yeah, you're that for them? Continually evolving. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I just for our listeners now. I mean, you just you said twenty five. You got twenty five um, people who's sort of building in the back end and yep. all the front end, all the digital stuff, all the front yep. end, back end. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain to our listeners? Um, do you employ data scientists? Like who, who, yeah. So why don't you just explain what that means, data scientists, and what why you more importantly what they do, who they are. Yeah. Why you need them? Yeah, sure. Why consumers need them ultimately? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think you know the, the area of data science like as a discipline is something that's obviously like massively growing and changing in many ways, or at least becoming more well known. It's not as if it hasn't existed for the last twenty years, um, yeah. but it's definitely a lot more. But we've always known. done it intuitively more than anything. Correct. Yeah. But I think now, you know, now now in many ways, and especially in the subscription business model, like that that degree of intelligence and detail is something that is is effectively priceless. It's it's the key to business growth in many ways. Um, you know, so something um, you know that that people can probably relate to. So again, like in, in Netflix, for example, there's the 98% matched or the 85% matched or whatever. Effectively, like that's that's a form of data science. It's a reflection of the percentage of likelihood that you'll engage with that based off on an affinity analysis. Mm. You know, an affinity analysis would be if you have watched this TV show because you are who you are based on your characteristics and traits, the likelihood that you will enjoy this is quite high because other people that are like you and match your profile and have done that have really enjoyed doing that and engaged with it in a, in a, in a good way. And um, that, and where, and just so that people understand that what, what business like yours does is you mm-hmm. gather all the data or yep. this, your system, your software, there is special software that yep. is written for you guys or can be off the shelf, but um, that you use to, to continually scan over all the data mm-hmm. and just package it up into most likely outcomes. Yeah. And you use data scientists to yeah. gather that, build, build the software, gather that and interpret it mm-hmm. and then, pay it up to you so yeah. to say there's there's really two key areas so you can either use the information to optimize the way in which you bring people in or optimize the way in which you keep people there's really they're, they're the only two yeah. so like you know you can use so to bring people in it's about understanding like you know sentiment analysis or like you know natural language analysis like so qualitatively like what do you what, what when we say this what do you hear you know, is that the value that you want us to talk about or is this the value that you want us to talk about? How do we facilitate the onboarding process the easiest? What's the monetization model and you know, so on and so forth? You know, is it freemium? Is it, is it free trial? Is it premium only? Is it whatever? Yep. You know, that stuff. And then in terms of the retention piece, it's about for us because we're a content platform, it's really broken down into like, what content do you want and how do we show it to you and when do we show it to you and why do we show it to you? Per individual. Yep. Per subscriber. individual basis. Yep. yep. Um, and then it's also... Within the experience, because you know, unlike Netflix, where you okay, cool, hit play and sit back and do nothing, we have the well, what exercises and in which environments and how many of them and what reps and what weight and all this sort of stuff. Like we, we need to use that to be able to understand. Like yeah, well, for beginners, it should be this. You know, for someone who's been training for a year straight and not missed a session, it should be this. You know, um, we're still in many ways kind of really early on in that journey, but it's like getting access to that very recently and been focusing a little bit more on that, that, that makes the journey all more exciting because we have so we have access to so much incredible information that a gym would not, you know, um, probably a point worth making that we're, we're not like a service that you have to use ex- ex- like 
exclusive of the gym. So you could use our product like at home. You could use it in a hotel while you're traveling. You could use it in the gym. Like we have workouts to satisfy all those experiences. Um, but the difference is that if you go to a gym, the gym has no idea what you're actually doing. So they literally, they can see you swiped in at this time and at some point you left. That's it. Yeah. So we can see, you know, when you started the workout, if you actually finished the workout or not, what exercises you did, how many laps of a circuit, how much weight you lifted, how many reps you did, where you did it, what time of the day you did it. Like, you know, we can see how many different types of training you do, like completion rates. Like, so all of this information that literally no one else in the space kind of has access to and as a result of that like we're able to create like truly wonderful experiences that actually get consumers results that they enjoy yeah in other words you're not and i think what because people listening just need to know is that um toby and kayla are not prescribing for you what you should have there's a big difference you know, like a lot of people think i oh, know i'm going to draw up the workout that people want you're actually looking at what they really do enjoy or what they use how they use it what that experience is and you're just delivering them more of what they actually like well there's one fundamental thing that all health and fitness results are entirely predicated on and that is what you'll actually do Mm. like so if i said to you like this is absolutely the best diet in the world and this is absolutely the best training program in the world but you needed to be usain bolt to actually do that training program then it's not it's relevant. No, it's just completely irrelevant, right? You know, so to be honest, in some ways, you know, a less intense approach to that that has less aspirational result timeframes and less intense disciplinary requirements is actually far better for a consumer. You know, and so like, you know, how steep is the learning curve? Like as in, do you need to, in the first 12 weeks, do you need to learn 50 new exercises mm. or 30 or 15, you know, like, because in many ways, like the less new learning that needs to occur, the better the outcome, right? Because the user can just get on with the workout. You know, how many pieces of equipment does it need? Because if there's too many pieces of equipment, it's too much time in the gym spent walking around Lost. trying to figure out what's happening or waiting for the squat rack. We want it's 5 p.m. and everyone's in there or whatever, right? You know, how many times do you actually need to get on the ground and get back up during a workout? Because it's like, as, as silly as that sounds, that's a really big point of irritation for a lot of people, right? You know, so there's there's all these different sort of information that we've yeah you know, we've been able to acquire and learn from and so on and so forth that yeah that to be honest that like, we've used very kind of like anecdotally at this point but as we're progressing along the journey and our business maturity starts to increase a lot more of it it's less it's less I've learned and my gut feel is and it's more well like the numbers really say this like so let's ask to validate our users of that and if they agree then let's do it so yeah so you this is um so your business has gone from being uh started off as an Instagram business trying to draw people into your personal training environments and all your classes Yeah, has gone from there to facilitating a whole heap of skilled people who you, who, uh, who you find and who you accredit effectively um, to um, make, making those workouts available to as many people as you possibly can on the subscription set system to now you're actually, as well as doing that on, and you know, obviously your eBooks and all that other stuff, but as well as that, you're actually building up this, really valuable qualitative information on a large quantity of people yeah in the in the fitness and health industry yeah and right. like there's there's so much like interesting stuff like uh you know the there's like you know the there's macro audience and macro information but like in our forum like we have you know something like you know like really interestingly to me like in in um in our, in our online forum like there's a group of um there's a there's a discussion group called like military mums you know, who are like literally who they're, they're the wives of men who are in the military and whatever. And like for them, like they're discussing how their, you know, 
emotional and mental, you know, um, process of dealing with that, you know, and how that attributes to their motivation to actually work out or not. Yeah, but like how else, you know, who else is actually going to have access to that information? Like not really anybody else. Mm. Yeah, you know, but as a result of that, we're able to say like, oh, well, you know, we could probably learn something really interesting from that. How can we use that information to motivate you to work out? Because inevitably, no different to the, yeah, the best workout program in the world or the best meal plan in the world might be really complex and no one's going to apply it like no one's going to do it. Even if you have something that's really easy, you still have to get motivated to do it. And so we still have to communicate with you in a way that actually makes you want to do that. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away with this business. You're only a young fella and, uh, and as, as is your, as is your partner, Michaela. I mean, the two of you are really young. You've done a brilliant thing. You've really looked at this sensibly, like it's very intelligent. You're, you know, got massive turnover, like hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. That's sort of turnover. Yeah. Um, it's not a bit, this is not luck for those people listening. I mean, this is well-planned, um, highly analyzed, well-executed, and what's great about this is you recognize that you're sort of at the start of your journey, like it's just yeah. opening up and, uh, yeah. there's a long way to go, but you're actually, the interesting thing about this is you're staying at the front. Mm. That's going to be your challenge. I guess always staying at the front of everybody else. The more, the more successful you become, mm. the more people are going to come and try and do the same yep. thing. But anyway, you know, uh, one of the, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, one of the greatest forms of praise is people trying to copy Im what you imitate. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well done. I, I always give everybody uh, an opportunity to ask me one question because I've been doing all the questioning here. I mean, maybe you've got no questions to ask me because it sounds like you've got it going, but what question <laughs> would you have to ask me? No, look, I, I think that um, it would be naive of any business person, regardless of age or experience, to not ask another experienced business person a question that's going to add value to them. I think, you know, my, my question is probably around... Um, you know, I mean, you said, like, it looks like we're doing stuff and we've got it and whatever, but I think that inevitably at some point in time, business gets pretty hard and there's a, there's a degree of, you know, grit and resilience needs to be, be there in order to continue, right? It's not all fun and games. In fact, it's very little of it is fun and games. Um, you know, so what's, uh, you know, what, what's the best piece of advice you got to someone who wants to generate more resilience in business? Well, for me, I, I think, unfortunately, um, resilience only comes, uh, comes to you as a result of being, effectively battered during the business process, you know, <laughs> <Couldn't agree more. laughs> um, so sometimes if you're really successful, you know, really fast, all the, you don't build resilience because, um, um, and I'm not suggesting this in your case, but you don't build resilience because you're not getting, you're not getting hit. It's a bit like if and then you're a trainer and a uh, personal trainer, but the more, if you go to the gym and you start picking up weights, which are quite heavy on your hand, and if you've got no calluses on your hand, um, your hand is not resilient mm. until you keep putting the pressure on the hand on a certain point. Mm -hmm. Over time, you build calluses, which makes your hand more resilient. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of our, um, our, our emotions, in terms of how we can deal with issues around business, is no different. It becomes how our brain, how the various neurological mm -hmm. connections in our brain deal with being put under pressure. Mm. And that comes over time. That just happens over time. Mm -hmm. And it happens over lots of events. And resilience is an emotion that you can employ when you are confronted. Mm -hmm. And it only becomes real or available to you if you know what that resilience feeling is. You, you know I'm being resilient. Mm -hmm. And you can't know that unless you've actually experienced it. Couldn't agree more. So yeah. you, you, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you haven't got to where you've got to 
It hasn't just been one big free kick. Mm. I mean, you've had to go through, you've had to grind through issues. You've had to, you've told us all the good stuff. Yeah. Behind all this, there'll be uh, a 10, a multiple of 10 of every good thing you've said, or a multiple maybe of a hundred of every good mm. thing you've said of things that have been going terrible. Where you've been challenged, correct? Yeah, and therefore you built. You've probably built up that resilience in your own capacity, but I can tell you, gets much better, and your resilience to gets much better by experiencing much worse things over time. <laughs> and um, you know, just silly things like um, you know, like for example, um, if you decide to sell yeah. your business, say let's say some multinational decides for some reason they want to buy your business because they love all the data you now mm-hmm. control. Um, that process will take a year. Mm. And you'll get to a point where you'll say at the end, they'll say to you at the end, listen, if you don't do this, this, and there'll be two or three things outstanding mm. that they'll put on the table to you. And there'll be a big, big check there. And they'll say, if you don't accept these two or three things, we're withdrawing. Okay. Those they do those things are there to test your nerve. And after you've done the deal, two or three years later down the track, something will occur and you'll remember that experience mm. and you'll build resilience out of that. So you have to wait for these experiences to come to you mm. and just take a breath and um, just grind through them. I mean, you're doing it now yeah. in lots of little pieces. You probably haven't experienced the big resilient tests yet because you haven't finalized anything. You haven't, you're not to the final yeah. stages. But I, my, my gut feeling is you're, you're quite composed. I, I haven't met Kayla, but I guess she, she's be the same. But at least one of you is composed. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> um, you've got you've got composed. Um, you've probably worked out who's strong in something and who's weak in something. So you know you play that game. One cuts, one sews. Yeah, and that's important. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I probably the big strength you guys got is your repair. Mm. You know, and you, we can lean on one another, which that's has been really tremendously important. helpful. And yeah. that's you know, having a baby. Mm-hmm. So that'll all bind you together. That's all more binding. That makes you resilient because then you've got something, they really got something to fight for. Yeah. Not just the two of you. Yeah. You really got something to fight for. Mm. And, um, and, um, my gut feeling is you're both bright and, um, and so far, and good things about it too, is you bootstrap this thing yourself. It's not, you don't have a whole lot of people putting pressure on you yeah. from outside, like investors I'm talking mm. about. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that, that does, that does test you a lot. So, I would say that resilience piece, you're well and truly on your journey for it, but you're only in your twenties. Um, you, you get really resilient and you, but you lose some energy, but you get really <laughs> resilient when you get to around my age, you know, that's a What's long that, way. 30? Yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a long way to go, but, but I, my, my feeling is you probably experienced more than most people have experienced between 21 and 27. Yeah. That's my gut feeling right now. And I can just, I, I get a sense of people and my sense of you right now is, um, not only have you got it going in terms of your product and your and your execution, but you've got it going in terms of this emotional stuff, that resilience. I can feel it. Always working on it, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, then you've got to keep mm. working on it and you've got yeah. to keep accepting it. Well, that's why I asked the question because I think that, uh, I mean, no different to like having the right product or the right, the right knowledge and the right execution. If you can't keep a level head, yeah, like it, it doesn't matter, right? And I think like, yeah, what you said about the, the ratio of you know, 10 to 1 or 100 to 1 or whatever, like I think a lot of the time people are like, they they want to be entrepreneurs or they want to be business owners or founders for the glory because all of the shiny stuff and the, you know, we get to do cool podcasts and you yeah, know, yeah, we, we yeah, get to yeah, do yeah. cool stuff and whatever, right? But I think very often what is missed is that the reality is that every day is a long day, every day is an early day, every day is a, every night is a late night. You know, like yes, there's the resilience building things that you go through. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that because I'm complaining. Like I love that. Like, that's part of the journey, right? But I think that if people aren't willing to accept the reality of that, then 
they're probably in the wrong place. Yeah, I, it's so, it's a very interesting analysis um, that you just gave then. And business people, at the end of the day, when you get to the levels where you're at, you spend whole half your life putting, or more than half your life putting out bushfires. Yeah, and that's that's the deal. Yeah, so Reid yeah. Hoffman, uh, co-founder of LinkedIn, says, is there a really great saying that I've always liked? Is it like building a business from the ground up is similar to jumping off a cliff and building the plane on the way down? <laughs> I love that. Mm. And just be, and you got hopefully you get in it just before you hit the water. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Toby, it's been fantastic. Uh, good luck to you and Carla in your your your, your baby's birth coming up. Um, I, I'd love to get back to you, together with you guys in a year's time. Bring your baby into the studio, and uh, let's see where you're at in a year's time. Yeah, look, thanks a lot for having me, mate. It's, it's been brilliant. great. Great brilliant. to hang out.